0: So, the question is not how much oil you have, right? How much anointing you have, how much calling you have, how much money you have, how much energy you have, how much time you have. The question isn't any of that. The question is, what is your capacity to receive what God wants to put inside of you? That is the question. What is your capacity to receive oil? Listen, God is a supplier. God is a filler. He's a rewarder. It's, it's his nature. He does that. God, does, God, God doesn't withhold good things. He just looks for a place for good things to be poured. He exudes abundance. You know what abundance is? Abundance is more than enough. You know, when it, when it says in Scripture that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. It's not according to your riches and glory. It's not according to what's in your bank account. It's according to what's in God's bank account. So whenever we're praying that, God, fill our needs according to your riches and glory. It's not according to my resources, how creative I can be. Listen, God loves that. God wants to use all of that in your life, but it's really according to him. The question is, will you align yourself to contain what God wants to pour into your life? And I, I just look at it as God is like this. This is really, this could be blasph- blasphemous. but <laughs> I, I feel like God is just like this, um, he's got like this spillage all the time. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, he's pouring out. He's just pouring out. He's giving himself. He's giving himself. He's pouring out love. He's pouring out peace. He's pouring out joy. He's pouring out provisions. Come on. And he's just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And he's just saying, "Will you just get under my overflow, God's overflow, and allow me to fill you. I just need vessels. I just need places to pour myself into. And if we will be those places, then God will fill us. Our scripture for this series, Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, says, No one, Jesus says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. The old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskin. That way, both the wine and the wine skins are preserved. I have a bottle of water right here, an open bottle of water. You're all good. This water will hold sixteen point nine ounces of wonderful, clear, tasting, drinkable water. Right. i got this balloon today with us. Somebody blow this up for me. Which is bigger, the balloon or the balloon or which is bigger, the balloon? Yes, but hold on. Okay, go ahead and take it. Which is, yeah, come on, baby, work it. Which is bigger? Hold on, before you go too far. Which is bigger, the balloon or which has more? The water bottle is bigger, right? Okay, blow the balloon, babe. Well, you can do better than that. Okay, that's good. Which is bigger? Why? How's the balloon bigger now? Because it holds more. There's more capacity in the balloon, even though it's smaller, than the water bottle. Right? <laughs> Sorry, you you didn't see that coming. That's always fun to do. I knew you wouldn't do it, so. So it's really not a, an issue of big ability as much as it is an issue of pliability. And we talked about tenderness last week, and, you know, a balloon is a lot more tender than a bottle of water. It's this, this pretty tender, too. It's pretty fragile. You can crack... <laughs> A bottle of water, you can't crack a balloon. You can rip a balloon because the balloon is fragile. The water bottle is bigger, but it doesn't hold as much as the balloon. And I believe that the key to having a good capacity for God is flexibility. Oh, it's flexibility. What happens when a move of God happens is there's people that are hungry and they're flexible because when we're hungry, we're flexible, right? When we're full, not so much. Right? I mean go to an all you you don't ever go to an all you can eat buffet when you're full. You go when you're hungry, you leave full, or you wasted your money, because the food's usually not that good, but there's a lot of it, so it's quantity versus quality, right? So you go because you want to be filled, right? But there's got to be a hungry, there's got to be a place. Every move of God has started off with the hungry people. But what happens is they get satisfied with the move of God, and they become religious, and then they become just like this water bottle. They might be full, but they're not going anywhere. There's no more capacity. God filled them up that much, and that's all they want. That's all they can receive. Why? Because there's no flexibility inside of them. So we've seen move of God's come, and then what happens is when a move of God comes, the next move of God comes, and the people that wear the water bottle say, hey, that's not as good as the last move. Where God says my, the, the latter glory will be better than the former. So God always wants to do something better. And I believe build off of the last thing he was doing because it's God. It's the same God. He wants to teach us new things. But every move of God starts off like that. I remember when I first got saved. I went to this church. The church had a history of revival it wasn 't in revival when I got saved, I experienced revival i believe I believe revival has more to do with an individual than it does to do a, a, a corporate body of people i believe you, I believe revival is a lifestyle, not an event come on and uh <laughs> so all these people were there the church had had this history of meetings and a you know a genuine uh, season of God pouring out his spirit on a mass amount of people and uh I would always hear him talk about this movement that happened. Oh man, when the church first started, God was doing all this, and uh, well, God started moving in our church. It was myself and several other young people. We were there. And God was coming, and he was doing some real powerful things and transforming our lives. We were getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Just, man, all this kind of cool stuff was happening. You know, we would, we'd have church on Sunday mornings and church on Sunday nights. And we'd be there, you know, on the altars till like 10 o'clock at night just seeking God and just hunger. And I remember that there was just this resistance from these people who had experienced the move of God 20 years before that, and they were like, oh, you just, man, when, when we were back on 2nd Street, that's where the church was, when all this, when we were back on 2nd Street, oh, my God, it was so much better than this. It was so much better than this. Comparison. Rather than embracing and being flexible to do with what God is doing now, they allowed themselves to only just contain simply what God did for a, se- a season. But what God wants is God wants a flexible people. God wants a people that are pliable where he can fill and keep filling. So what are you going to choose? I'm just, I'm kind of stubborn. I'm stuck in my ways. You sure are, and God will bend you if you will allow him. So I want to talk about five ways to increase our pliability, our flexibility, our pliability, the ability to expand so we can Receive, expanding our capacity, pliability. How many of y'all want more pliability in your life? You want to be more flexible. You don't really want to be like Gumby, but maybe you want to be like a balloon, <laughs> right? Number one, huh or a gymnast. Yes, that works. Number one is the position of praise. I love this uh, scripture right here, the position of praise. Everybody say that, the position of of praise. You say, well, what does praise have to do with pliability? A ton. Check this out. Isaiah 54 verse 1. Sing, O childless woman. You who have never given birth, you who don't have any seed inside of you, break out in loud and joyful song. O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expenses. Get ready, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. So here's Isaiah telling Israel that where they've been fruitless, that they're about to become fruitful. So he says, before you ever get fruitful, you need to lift up some praise. You need to increase your position before God, that you need to be grateful, that you need to be thankful for God. Many times what happens is, is we, we kind of get in this rut, we start doing things, and God starts doing things in our life, and, we, and our gratefulness becomes on what God is doing and so what happens is whenever it looks like God's not doing anything anymore because we're not experiencing him the same way because he wants us to experience him in a different way, our gratefulness and our thankfulness becomes based upon what God did in a certain season rather than for who God is and who I am in him. And so what happens is we move along in our life, we just kind of get grumpy. But we've got to choose gratitude over being grumpy. Not gumby, Grumpy. You guys have heard before that attitude determines your altitude. Have you ever heard that? You know, you've seen those motivational po- posters. I like those demotivational posters. Those are pretty funny. I wish I had a few of those. today. <laughs> those are, have y'all seen those? The, the memes of the demotivational are pretty funny. You should just you should Google that later, not now, but later. Um, but it says, but but you guys have seen the one It says you know it's got like a, a guy flying a kite or something. And it says altitude, uh, attitude determines your altitude. I would suggest. That that must be an attitude of gratitude. That we must be a people that are grateful for who God is and what God is doing and what God is going to do. Here's a picture of Israel and God is saying, sing, get ready, sing, sing, worship, sing aloud, be loud about it, celebrate, develop an atmosphere of rejoicing because I'm coming. Gratefulness of heart sets our hopes and affections on Jesus, not our circumstances. So what happens is we develop this gratefulness in our heart about Jesus and who he is and my position already in him. And I create this cult, this inward culture in my life. And so I set my affections on him. I'm not setting my affections on what's happening. And so what happens is my joy, if I'm not doing this, my joy is dictated to what goes on. Someone treated me wrong. Someone hurt my feelings. I'm dealing with difficulty in my finances. So we stop being grateful. Come on, are you with me? How I many you know you still got a whole lot of reason to be grateful? I've told people before, I was like, man, you have so much to be grateful for. And they're like, no, I don't. You just don't understand. It's just this, that, and the other. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And you're not in my situation. I'm like, man, I have been in that situation most likely. But I'm telling you, you don't rejoice. Jesus said like this, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to your your name, but rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice because you belong to Jesus and that he has a plan and a destiny for your life. And if you will find your joy in him, then it won't be found in your circumstances. And your joy won't be shaken. And then you're just like flexible. You're like, okay, God, I'm good. I'm good with whatever you do. Oh, yeah, okay. We want to be grateful when Jesus walks into the room, but listen, it's the grateful spirit that brings him. Let me say that again. That's tweetable. We want to be grateful, Hashtag. we want to be grateful when Jesus walks into the room, but it's a grateful spirit of praise that he cannot resist. Psalm 22:3: three, God inhabits the praises. God inhabits. It's where he dwells. It doesn't say God shows up and then we praise him. No, 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 no. When we show up, we will lay our faces on the floor as flat as we can get and adore him. But it's the praise. It's that celebration of spirit. It's that rejoicing of, of an atmosphere that I've created because I'm grateful for who God is. That's what brings him into the room. That's, how, that's why no matter how difficult it is and things are falling around you and people are dying and, and, and your bank account's empty. And you can still celebrate. Why? Because he's in the room. Because there's a reason to celebrate. There's always a reason to celebrate. Hopelessness is an illusion. There's no such thing as hopelessness. It's always hope. That's good news. I'll say that to the day I die. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. I love that. I'll say it again. (laughs) It's like, hey, guys, rejoice all the time. Hey, guys, rejoice all the time. You notice that I've said this before. I don't care. It's rejoice, not Joyce. Rejoice. Pete and repeat went to the store. Pete came out. Who's left? Repeat. Rejoice. 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 It's a cycle. It's a wonderful cycle. I love what Bill Johnson says. In the world, we rejoice because we have joy, but in the kingdom, we have joy because we rejoice. (coughs) Love it. It's not the practice of praise. It's not coming into a worship setting and practicing praise, but it's a position of praise. It's not something we do. It's who we are. We're celebrators. We're rejoicers. It's not, it's not about the happenstance. Come on, it's not about the circumstance. It's about the presence of Jesus who we are secure in. We are secure in him. You know, in fact, we are believers. Right? We're believers. We're, we're putting faith. It, it's not based in circumstances. It's based in faith. It's based in uh, no matter what goes on, uh, it's rooted in him. So we've got to be, be, be a believer when we rejoice. Are you guys with me? We're believers. We, the, the belief comes first and then the tangible. I know it's difficult, but the belief comes first and then the tangible. So you've got to believe when, 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 it's, when it's tough, when it's difficult, you've got to be a believer at that moment. And you've got to say, I believe God. I trust God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are providing. And it might not be a way out today, but it will be a way out. Because God's not bringing you to that difficulty. He's bringing you through that difficulty. Bang. Our faith is not based in circumstances, but in the goodness of our God. We rejoice for what is coming. We rejoice because we're His. So, number one. positive. A position of praise. a position of praise. Not the practice of praise. A position of praise. And there's a difference. Because you can come in. You can praise. Like we did this morning. Or it can be you. You're a praiser. One has more joy than the other. Number two. The posture of prayer. The posture of prayer. It. You know, it takes God to have a greater capacity for God. Some of us don't enjoy praying. We find it boring, if we were to be quite honest. It's obvious we find it boring because we don't make time for it. Mm. The only way you're going to love to pray is to pray. It takes God to love God. The only way you're going to ever want to spend 30 minutes in his presence is when nobody else is around is to spend 10 minutes in his presence when nobody is around. The only way you're ever going to want to spend 10 minutes in his presence when nobody else is around is if you spend one minute in his presence when nobody else is around. And listen, in his presence there is fullness of joy. In his presence there is fullness. There's always fullness in his presence. Prayer transforms the atmosphere of our heart. A relationship with God without a prayer life is not a relationship with God. What's your prayer life like? (laughs) What's your relationship with God like? Oh, it's good. I'm being holy. What's your prayer life like? Well, I I try to pray... uh, not a good relationship guys men if i told you hey how's your relationship with your wife it's good how much time have you spent with her this week Ah, none i slept on the couch all week and we sent a couple text messages about the kids but that was about it it's not a relationship it might be a bad relationship A relationship with god without prayer life is not a good relationship with god And let, let me just say this, because we're kind of talking about this constant reality, because I believe that prayer can become a constant in your life, okay? Like, you're praying, you have your time, yes, but also, like, you are becoming a person of prayer, and that you you live and dwell in prayer. And in fact, when other people aren't around, you're communing with God. So really, it's about communion, com- communion in the sense that we are communing with God. Are you with me? So prayer is really about that. The... Uh, Our method of prayer may be petition. Our method of prayer may be petition. But the purpose of prayer is his presence. The method of prayer may be petition. God, I'm praying for this. We're pastors. We get this all the time. Would you pray for this, 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 that, and the other? Okay, that might be the method. But the purpose of prayer is... Is the presence, is to get into the presence of God and say, God, I just want to be with you. And I have my agenda and I have my list and you know those things. And here you go, God, these are the things I need. But let's just be together. Let's just hang out together. This is the posture of prayer, not just the petition of prayer. You need to have the petition. Jesus said, you know, when you pray, ask. It's okay. But that shouldn't be the only reason we ever go to God. It's communion, it's relationship, it's a love affair with you and the king of the universe. And he's just, in, it's an invitation. And, and some of us, we're not there, we're not there like an hour a day. We're not there an hour a day. But what's it like when you're driving down the road? What's it like when you're, when you're walking to your car, when you're walking to get the mail? What's it like when you're doing these things? It's about the person of prayer. Yes, it's, you need to have that time. It's absolutely necessary. It's crucial. It's not optional for you to have a prayer life, but also that you would have a life of prayer. Now, you can't have one without the other. You've got to have a prayer life to have a life of prayer. But God is more concerned about your quiet time and and being with you all the time. The purpose is his presence. The posture of prayer. Number three, because this, man, this expands us. It cultivates our heart. It makes us, oh, man, God, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? God's just like, oh, that's what I want to do. Oh, yeah, that's good, okay. And listen, I would say this when you're praying, don't talk the whole time. Hey God, uh, uh you know, Lord, uh, I, I need this, and so and so needs a job, and Lord, we pray for our finances, Lord, I live with my kids before you, oh, blah 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 blah, 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 And God's just like, shut up and let me commune with you and hang out. I don't think he's probably saying it like that, not as sarcastic as I would be. Maybe more. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> Some of our prayer times should be sitting, waiting, listening. No no, no mobile device, no computer, no Bible, no paper, just you and him. Having those things handy, so you probably need to write something down. But just there. Just disconnect. Just disconnect from everything and just listen. The posture of prayer. The position of praise, the posture of prayer. And next, the perseverance under pressure. Did I misspell that? I did, didn't I? Did I? No. Yes. I don't know. Who knows? Probably. Okay. Perseverance under pressure. If you break every time the pressure is on, it's a pretty good indicator that you're not flexible, that you're not pliable. If you break every time difficulty comes and you have a breakdown every time the pressure comes, then it's because you're not tender before God. And I see people struggle with this all the time. So you know what fi- What I find with this, when this happens to people? The pressure's always on. The pressure's always on. When people are, 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 are flexible, when people are pliable before, before God and before what's going on in their life, you don't, you don't really see like, ton- there's seasons. But, but the people that I know that get broke under pressure, it seems like they're getting broke under pressure all the time. Why? Because God is wooing them. God is saying, come on, I have more for you. Just be flexible. Don't break. Just be flexible. Let me do something in your life. But instead, they're stubborn, or, uh, stubborn and they're hard-headed, and God can't do anything in their life. And then they get through, and they're like, well, God, meh, 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 God doesn't love me. Why is all this happening to me? And I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to go indulge in sin. I'm going to get mad at God. You will not learn your lesson. Why do you want to go through junk and not get anything out of it? There's got to be a perseverance under under, under pressure. Listen, if I took this balloon and I just try to pour that water bottle into it. I'm not going to because I don't want to make a mess. I just pour that water. What's going to happen? It's going to get about... That full, right? But whenever I put the fluid in there with pressure, it expands. It takes pressure to increase your capacity. It just takes pressure, and we don't like pressure, and pressure is uncomfortable, and it's hard. So what do we do? Do we give up when the pressure's on? Most people do. But the difference between you and most people is you have perseverance. And I'll say this again. God is not calling you to the pressure. God's calling you through it. It takes pressure to expand your capacity. Don't crush under pressure. Jeremiah 2 verse 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And then they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns. Cisterns are containers, vessels. Places for capacity that cannot hold water. God's like, I got a problem. You reject me, and then you have no capacity for me. So come to me, be healed, and let me make capacity. James 1.12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation, difficulties, trials, because afterwards they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Listen, God wants to bless you, but he wants to see you Solid, but pliable. Are you with me? God wants to see you not moved by every situation. He wants you to expand. He wants to do a work in your life. He wants to do these things. But you listen, you've got to hold up under the pressure. If you get all hard, if I come in and I put a... a you know, a, a, a pressurized water to this thing. Eventually, if, if I can keep all the all the leaks out the top and put it under a pressure system, this thing will bust. It'll break. It'll be no good anymore. But that water balloon there, will, that balloon, would, which would be a water balloon at that point, would get really, really big, right? Until it couldn't contain anymore. So just remain flexible. <laughs> remain flexible. Are y'all good? Number four. The priority of progress. See what I did there with the P's? (laughs) P-P-P-P. See what I did there? All right. Five ways to increase our pliability. The position of praise, the posture of prayer, perseverance under pressure, and the priority of progress. What are you talking about, Josh? I'm talking about obedience. I'm talking about moving forward with obedience. That there's some progress happening in your life. That you're actually obeying what God's saying to you. I would say this. God has methods. Reaping, sowing. That's a method, right? God has laws. God has things that he's established to work a certain way. Get in on his methods. It's called obedience. You function best when you're obeying Jesus. I was in a room one year, um, year one day, years ago. It was a year. And uh, Tommy Barnett, who's a pastor of... Uh, First Assembly of God in Phoenix at one time was like the biggest church in America years and years ago. And Tom, if, if you know Tommy Barnett's ministry, you'll know that he's a very humble man, very, uh, very transparent. I mean, just he's done a really good job of, of being flexible, you know, uh, through all of his success. And I would say this, that success is just as much a trial for you as being unsuccessful. In fact, in many cases, probably more of a, of, a, of a trial stage, so we're in this meeting it's, it was here in Dallas, and uh, he was talking he had a room full of pastors, and I got to go to this conference. I was sitting in there. this is right after I got saved I was sitting in the back and he, he said, "How many of you in this room he 's talking to a bunch of pastors and street preachers and stuff, and he said, "How many of you in this room would say that you 're successful in ministry and about probably a third of the hands went up. And then he said this. He said, how many of you are doing what God called you to do? And they all raised your hand. He said, well, then you're all successful. Because, listen, our success is not based in comparison. It is based in us saying, I only do what I hear the Father saying. This was the success of Jesus. The success of Jesus was based in that one thing. I do what I hear the Father saying. I say what I hear the Father speaking. This is what I do. I obey. It's a, we're going to do a series uh, later on, a couple months, called Yes. It's just talking about a yielded life. That, 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 that would be the cry of our heart. That we'd be a people that just say, man, I just, I just want to obey you. I just want to do what you want me to do. And God is looking for that yes inside of us. So could you imagine Abraham and Isaac? You guys remember that story of Abraham offering Isaac. Progress, the obedience. People people talk about, listen, people only talk about the faith of Abraham, right? Oh, the faith of Abraham. Yes, the faith of Abraham. But look at Abraham's obedience. Because, because listen, faith is always expressed in obedience. In fact, if there's no obedience, there's no faith. And you can't and you can't be obedient with a, with a tender heart without faith. Listen, obedient faith is not always easy. It doesn't always make sense. But it's essential. It doesn't always make sense to obey God. Sometimes we should lie. Sometimes we feel like we should cheat on our taxes. Might not make sense. But it's the godly thing to do. So will you be yield enough to say, God, I want priority of progress. I want to be moving forward. I want to do what God has called me to do. Move forward in obedience. Y'all all right? Okay. Okay. And as we obey, listen, God increases us. This is why, you know, hey, can you imagine Abraham? God's like, okay, you're going to, you know, you're going to have all this, all these children. You're going to, your, the earth is going to be filled with your offspring. Oh, sweet. And then he's like an old man and he still hasn't had a kid. But he's still believing. Then he has a kid. And the kid's born. Isaac's born. And God says, okay, give him to me. Sacrifice him. What? God, I thought I was gonna, I'm not gonna have any more kids, God. I mean, everything, I mean, this is like, I mean, I'm putting like all, all my stock in this, this one here, Lord. All my eggs are in this basket. All my, yes. Right? And God says, sacrifice. Can you imagine? But the faith obeyed. He still believed. And I love what Abraham told Isaac. He said, He said, Dad, he's taking him to sacrifice. He goes, Dad. I got the fire and we got the matches. We got the gas. Dad, we got everything. Lord, we, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And he says this, the Lord will provide. I want to be obedient like that. Making progress a priority in my life. All right? Number five. We're going to close with this. Place yourself in proper hands. Place yourself in proper hands. I'm, I'm not going to read the story. It's there. For sake of time, Mark chapter 6. Jesus is teaching, and the disciples come to him. There's like 5,000 people there, and they're hungry. And Jesus has been teaching, just like you guys are sitting here right now, and you're getting hungry because it's almost time to eat lunch. And Jesus is like, well, I want to keep, so what we're going to do is we're going to have some people go out and buy some tacos or something. I'm just going to keep preaching, right? <laughs> just kidding. So Jesus says, hey, go get these guys some tacos and, uh, and, and you know, and get these guys some food. And they're like, and, and it says that Jesus already knew that, but he said this to, to test Peter. And uh, he's like, you guys go buy them some food. And Peter's like, that's funny, Lord. He's like, you know how much money it costs to feed all these people? He's like, we can't do that. He's like, well, what do we have? what do we have? So they went and they searched and they found this little boy, the account in John chapter 6 tells us the same account. It doesn't give us this detail in Mark but it, because Mark's pretty concise, but it does tell us in, in John chapter 9 that there was a little boy there. There's a little boy there that day that was listening to Jesus preach and his mom sent him with sack lunch. And he had a little, little, couple of little bread rolls and a couple pieces of fish. So they started, well, there's the disciples, 5,000 people. They're like, okay, we're looking for food. Hey, kid, what do you have there? Give me your lunch. <laughs> right. This is my lunch. I'm hungry. The only one who was prepared was this little kid. Oh, I will preach. So Jesus takes his childlike kid's lunch or the disciples did. Can you imagine the struggle? Give me that lunch. No, this is mine. Give it to me. (laughs) Jesus wants it. Okay. Right? They come back and they say, Lord, all we can find is a couple of fish and several loaves of bread. Give it to me. And it says that Jesus blessed the bread and they began to pass it out. And before them, this miracle happened where all the people are eating. All the people are eating like, Two fish and five loaves of bread. They're like pigging out. Like this all-you-can-eat Jesus buffet. <laughs> right? And they're, they're pigging out on the supply of Jesus. And it says that when they got done, that the, the disciples started collecting the baskets, and there was more in the baskets than what they started with. See, we don't serve a God of addition. We serve a God of multiplication. <laughs> And this is the way he works. But he only multiplies what we give him. 30, 60, 100-fold multiplication. So place yourself in proper hands. Surrender whatever issue it is with your life. Emotions, romance, oh, come on finances I want God to you want God to bless you but you're not even tithing. I mean God has a system. Give and it shall be given. We're like I just want God to bless me and then I'll give. It doesn't work like that. We're believers. It's before this is who we are, this is what we do. You reap what you sow. No sowing no reaping. Money, energy, time, all of it. Same thing, reaping and sowing. God of resources. But he's just saying, give me what you have. We're like, oh. Right? So difficult. Well, let me tell you this. It's really not that difficult to surrender when you recognize how good God is. When you recognize that God is well intended, that he loves you. Listen, I think that people, people that withhold, if you're withholding from God a, a section of your life and your heart, it's only because of one reason. You don't know how good he is. Because if you knew how good he is, surrender would be no problem. But you've got to surrender to experience.